Episode 22, Freelancing from Home. Are you bidding off more than you can chew? to 10 giant robots we are giant we are robots rock and like robots we like to work a lot what where do we like to work sometimes we like to work from home yay and that's our topic for this uh this podcast working from home pajamas optional being your own boss (laughs) differentiating uh so the the difference here is sometimes uh, you bid on a job from home. It's just yours. It's just your baby. And your you computer, deal, yeah. your software, your desk. That's right. And you deal directly with the client as opposed to uh, a freelance gig where you're often you go someplace else and that's negotiated based on just a bid. And then once the rules are established, you just keep you just do that. You say this uh, is my this is my hourly rate. Exactly. My day rate, whatever it is. Right. And then you go from there. So what we wanted to talk about for this particular podcast is... When you're doing a job where your your rate is negotiated usually by the hour, that's a little more cut and dried. If you both agree on that, that's just the rules of the game, and you just roll, and then you try to get paid. Because you're you're also in that case, you're not managing the project. You're, exactly. You're just you're at a desk. You're a and cog, they, and a, they tell you what you're doing for that day. Right. You're basically a, an employee. Yeah. For, so as a, so, uh, PJ kind of brought up, um, and maybe you want to talk about this of of why take on these little freelance gigs from home. Yeah. Other well, than the obvious for money uh <laughs> right well there's uh, a lot of people who supplement their income like their their day job is fairly predictable and they're able to get a few extra dollars on the side with their vast amounts of talents the um the software fortunately is easier to obtain on um a sort of a as you need basis a subscription service adobe suite sub- sub- subscription service uh autodesk suite and you can take care of everything kind of turn it off and turn it on when you want to you don't need to lay out the thousands of dollars of investment for software and that's fairly new that idea yeah. of like a yeah the the short term license it's great you could be legal uh, for a lower price and get uh, the support you need and not have to chase down cracks. And I don't know anyone who does that. I would never. Yeah. But well, and uh, also, too, that's now that everything's phoning home all the time, that becomes even yeah. more of a hassle. It's like just but, easier. Just yeah. To- um, so the, the fact is that any decent i7 based computer could probably do a lot of this work and you have the talents and so, now there's uh render farms on the cloud which uh i've had some experience with recently it's pretty cool oh, yeah, oh yeah. that's cool yeah. from home you've done that no from the the job that i've been doing recently uh, they have their own render farm but it's got limitations and we were doing some jobs that were had a rush and they were like there's money in the budget to do this this other service and so I got to find out what that's like. And it's actually was pretty cool. So now, the, and maybe we want to save this for another to, another uh, show, but I, I'm curious to see how like add-ons and plugins work with that. Because I know all the machines basically have to be a mirror image of the machine that you're building on, right? Well, understanding uh, that th- these were 3D renders. This was not like an After Effects with a bunch of plugins. Right. Rendered. But still, if you're doing V-Ray, that's got to be a piece yeah. of it or whatever. Yeah, they're... Uh, there are certain like standard plugins 
you know, it's not like a crazy list. Right. But you, you yeah. can get Maya X amount of versions with X amount of versions of V-Ray or X amount of versions of Arnold or whatever it is. Right, you're right. You know, so if you're working in a fairly standard place, then you'll be okay. If you're using something kooky that no one knows about, then you might not be. Okay. <laughs> well, let's talk about... Um well, talking about so the, uh, other than just picking up uh, extra work just for, to supplement so your income. So a friend of a friend is now making their little independent movie, and they need some ghosts effects, right? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so they come to you because right. they heard you know how to do that kind of thing. Right? And and it's an opportunity to not only you know be your own boss, but also to be the author of this whole process. Because uh, right. oftentimes as freelancers, we're generalists. So we like to be given a shot, a challenge, and you take it from start to finish instead of like having to hand off pieces or pick up something from someone else. You get to do the whole kit and caboodle, and that can be a lot of fun. And you also get to develop your own pipeline from home. So you get to work however you like to work best as opposed to be being plugged into a pipeline that's either well-developed, poorly developed, or there none exist. It's just a free-for-all, you know, and that can be its own hassle. Um, let's talk a minute about... Um, uh, all so so the difference between uh, bidding for, uh, like a, a freelance project from home is that you have to somebody usually presents you with an idea and then they say how much and then coming up with the bid on how you're going to uh, work the money and how how you're going to decide what it's worth how much do you want to make what will the market bear your client and all that well, let's talk just kind of like a spitball the things the criteria the variables that go into how the things that play into calculating a bid? Well, I mean, the one of the first places I start is I think about, okay, well, I mean, obviously, how much time is this going to take? Right, you, know, you what, assess the material. Yeah, what's what's involved? And, and, uh, and, you know, I think about that in terms of days and hours, and then I start breaking that down by what my rate is. What, what, would, I, what, what, would, I, what would I normally get paid to do this work if I were working freelance at a facility? So the baseline goes back to uh, your hourly rate. What do I want to make per hour? Yeah. And so PJ brings up something interesting mm-hmm. talking about um, a mistake that I had been making. Um, uh, and I don't know that I want to broadcast my sins here, but um, not sins, but whatever. Um, calculating in the difference between if you own a business, uh, you charge per seat, let's say, or per, you know, this artist is cost this much and I want to make this margin on that chair above what I'm going to have to pay the artist if you run a business. Now, if you're working from home, you are, you know, a uh, potential mistake you might make the difference is i'll just charge my rate but the reality is is now you're actually paying for your own electricity and so you have to calculate in other things that you wouldn't in when you go someplace and work on their computer you know and so does how does does that affect your hourly does your hourly go up a little bit because your expenses are actually more you know potentially and, uh, you also have to uh depending on where you live you have to get uh legal with the state or or city or county right uh, a business license which might not be that much money but you are uh so you're getting a 1099 at the end of this and so you will have to pay taxes on that both sides of the taxes that means the right. social security contribution that your employer normally pays you have to pay both sides of that and the full everything else that you might need to uh get paid that I think there's a few things you don't pay because um, I'm not uh, wow I'm not super specific what they are, but right. you will have to pay for them. You'll also be possibly incurring more um, 
other business costs, such as an accountant, if you do enough of this stuff. That's right. And going back to the software, are you calculating in the fee of the software into the into your bid? You know. Yeah. Divide that by full month because that's the term of the software. Right. And by the uh, so if the job is going to take five weeks, figure two months of expenses. That's got to be. Uh, amortized over your hourly rate right also you know some of these jobs will come in and they'll be fairly hefty in terms of the amount of data that you have to wrangle that's right or, or, so or you're generating so you have let's say you have an entire drive of your system that's dedicated to that project and then even once it's delivered oftentimes you want to hold on to it for a certain amount of time in case it comes back there's a problem we need to redo right you know or whatever so there's just just the the rental of your space and that's right and that so that should and be calculated into your hourly because you are that's that's part of the gig you know a little side tip on that um always plan on being the hero uh you'd be surprised how many smaller outfits uh give you their only hard drive that right that it lives on oh my god right. this is the only hard drive uh, have your own reasonable, very smart backup. So if uh, they screw up somewhere along the process, you can come and save their butt. Mm. I, and I usually, I always, I, I almost always clone the drive, at least the pieces that they need. So because I don't want that sitting on me, I don't want like, oh, it failed on my watch. So so it's <laughs> right. my fault, even though your drive might, the drive might have been broken, and I, you know, nobody yep. knew it. Um, so, so, uh, factoring all those things into the, the bid rather than just treating yourself like an hourly artist right, is a really important thing to consider. Right. So your hourly would necessarily go up because right. your expenses go up. Here's another thing that, you know, essentially you're, you're, you're talking about working on a fixed bid. Right. right? And which is always, that always scares me. I don't yeah. like it. I don't yeah. like it because I've been screwed so many times on fixed bids. Um, and you know, one of the things I tried uh, with a new a new client uh, a couple of years ago is they came to me and they didn't have a lot of money. It was for wait, a, I know, a, right? But uh, but this was for a TV show for a network. That uh, is even worse. I know, I know. Yeah. It's a reality show. Uh, it was kind of a you know a competition show, um, and it was an interesting concept. And they're like, look, these are the graphics that we need. We had someone doing them, but we, we're not going to use them anymore. And this is season two, so we want to develop a new look. We want to, you know, bring you on. And once I started to understand what they what they wanted and what they were going to pay, I basically came back to them and I said, "I can't do this. Right? There's just no way." I'm like, and and unless we were to pare down the graphics or find more money, right? So they worked with me to come up with a price and and pare down the graphics. And then I was like, okay. And then like, can we do this? I'm like. Barely, we can barely do this. But what it's going to mean that we have to put caps on revisions, right? You've got to stop the bleeding somewhere. Yeah, because yeah. that's one of the places where you get screwed real fast. Right? Is if you if you haven't specified what is in the bid in terms of revisions and redos and additions, I right? Because exactly cause things will be added on too that weren't were never discussed. Um, so you these things have to be at some point. Uh, I think listed as an overage, right, right, because right. at some point you reach the end of what you've run out of money essentially, for. yeah, right. and 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 that, but that doesn't mean that they're going to stop asking. So right. you have to be able to address the, their ask with some sort of some sort of you know, and if if you haven't figured that out in, uh, beforehand before you signed a contract, then it's a you're in a much uh, more awkward position to be like, well, you know, I, uh, I you know, and, you know, we need more money. And that brings up a, a just a, a general axiom of a client. They will keep asking. 
Yeah. And if oh, you yes. keep giving, they'll keep asking. There's no, and so you have to find a way to uh, set up ground rules where everybody knows what the ground rules are. So when you hit that wall, everybody goes, oh, the, that conversation, that's right. And so their expectation is created before you ever even get into the work and the clock starts ticking, which is never, it's always ridiculously short, you know? And so I, I think a lot of freelance really does revolve around building in as many expectations as you possibly can at the beginning of how it will go, what you get for this, and you know some just some basics. So the impression in their mind is like, awesome, I'm going to get back ILM. I'm paying you know, you know, car wash prices, and I'm going to get ILM back. It's like it's not going to happen, right? You know, and so, but I think if they know up front, and you are for, not just uh, being real with them, but more importantly, being real with yourself, because artists notoriously underestimate me included. We, all of us do it. We've mm. been doing it forever. We still do it. You know, I just did it two weeks ago. That, yeah. So, and then the other thing too, is, uh, what to finish that thought is you'll underbid and you'll screw yourself and you, or what will also happen is your general assessment. And this gets better with the more experience you have, the more years you've been doing this, but you look at the material and you go, okay, this is this, this is this. And if they, if you're handed footage, you kind of look at the footage and you try and spot where, where you might trip up and you're like, okay, okay. But inevitably, inevitably, something trips you up you didn't see. Yeah, you, you never know? know You never know how bad it's going to be until you get your hands into the footage and you start working with it. Here's a, here's a good one. This wasn't on a freelance job. It's a job that I just finished up with, uh, with a company. Um, they didn't see it. I didn't see it. Because and it, it's, a classic, uh, it's a classic blind spot. So it was to um, do like a mosaic covering of logos on sports footage. Okay, so because they didn't get the rights. You know how that goes, right? They got the rights for the broadcast, but for the reuse, they don't have the rights or, or whatever. They don't want to... That's free advertising, whatever. So, or whatever the situation is. So, the brief is um, just... It doesn't have to be a paint-out job. Just blur it. You know, just mosaic blur it. And so the thing is like... And now this is sports. So so the, the athletes are running back and forth over the top of the logo. And so you're thinking, well, we're just blurring out the thing. It's like, yeah, but the athletes don't get blurred out. It's like, you're not just going to stick blur over all of that and just like, you know, somebody smudged it out with their thumb, whatever. So you're like, okay, so that's Roto. And then you realize the money's not in the paint out. The money's in the Roto, you know, because the paint out is actually pretty straightforward. Once you do it, you track it in and it's locked in and you're good, you know. It's all the people running back and forth over the top of it, and they're articulated. They're people, and there's motion blur, and like you realize, like, oh my god, this thing's five times more difficult, or more time can not difficult, but more time consuming because you're rotoing arms, you're rotoing elbows, rotoing, li- and they're running, so they're fully art- so nobody's standing still. There's no gimmies in in terms of tweening between roto where you just go, I'll do every fifth frame, and it'll take no every frame, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so that's a that's a case where it might pay off to uh without without charging or anything part of your research is to actually dive in on a shot and see what it's really going to take and before even giving them a bid and i think that and in this case the the company that i did this for did the bid and they're they're savvy they know you know they missed it i didn't see it and the other thing too is a super fast turnaround so there wasn't even a chance to sort of dip in and kind of go oh this is going to be a big problem you know so there was no there was exactly there's no way to sample the footage just to see so oh boy but um so you were talking about setting expectations and and that was in context of revisions and further asks what that's going to mean like you get x number of revisions per shot whatever and uh, one, of the, one of the things that I think is really important to set expectations on 
uh, with a new client is uh, revision, uh, not revisions, but um, uh, when when they're going to see work works in progress. Right. So right. let's say you need to design something, or you need to you know build something, or you're you're creating a look um, to sort of mark out. Okay, well, I'm once I get this sketched out, I'm going to show you a frame for approval. You know what I mean? So, so, and you're signing off when you see that exactly. Yeah. So once that's signed off on, then I can work on building that because you know you don't want to go down, fully down the road and waste all that time only to have them make changes. So this is in service of having fewer revisions because you want the client to get what they want. You want them to be happy. So you want them to you know if they ask for six revisions, you ultimately want them to have those. But you can kind of head those off at the pass by uh, communicating with them clearly up front, and so having them understand that this is what the process of approvals are going to be along the way and it also makes them feel good that they're not going to be waiting for three months and then hate and then whatever they get hate the finished product right. and then be up shit creek themselves right. so i think that's actually a really important part for a lot of jobs is setting really clear expectations and really clear communication as well like like for example so we're approved on this look I'm going to move forward now on building this the next, you know, and once I have, you know, this first shot built, I'll show that to you to make sure that I haven't, you know, gone the animations, the right. Or whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. it is, you right. know, so that to just to make the whole process run more smoothly. You know, um, uh, one of the things that I think you run into a lot too, is that sign off process is most clients are not sophisticated in terms of what they're looking at. And so you, when you might just generally be sketching out, motion or a general look they a lot a lot of uh clients are not sophisticated enough to go got it that's a sketch that's not the final oil painting you know most people go can i see the oil painting and you're like well that's the whole thing you know then i'm can you just finish it real quick so i can see if i like it you know that's basically what they're asking um and so that you have to find ways to discuss and create a sense of comfortability if that's a word where they go okay and just explain like an animatic is not a finished shot although now they're becoming more and more like that but you know that just understanding that we're building up to that thing but you but i you need to sign off on like does it move like this or this or does you know and so and that's difficult to do and you know it also creates you know to be fair from a you know empathic towards the client that's a really insecure place to live if you not are not naturally a, a creative person because you're signing off and you're probably accountable to somebody further up the food chain and you don't know. You're like, what am I signing off on here? Because I'm signing off both on we're going forward on this and losing time or you know that time we don't get the time back and I'm spending money. You know, and so ways to address that insecurity if at all possible is important. But I think it's it's that's also why it's important to build in the backstops of sign offs. You know, it's like. You have committed to this. You can't change your mind after, you know. So that's, yeah. That And, you know, it goes back to, to bring up another little piece of this. It's difficult because I think a lot of people feel like artists rip off clients. I think there's, you know, there is a sentiment like that, that there is sort of a scammy nature to artists, you know, in some cases. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that or encountered that or heard of that, you know. I can uh, think of one that PJ and I encountered <laughs> once. But here, but but here's my but he, here's the thing that I think, and I if 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 a lay person ever listens to this podcast that they have this, it's important to know that there there are artists out there like that that exist. That's a thing. But I think it's also important to, to understand that 
artists don't know the solution either because everyone is, and I hate this word, but every, every job is bespoke. It's custom, you know? And so it's like, how much will this thing that's never ever existed before cost? Is like, I don't know. I've never done it before, you know? We'll try to do the best that we can in a fair estimate, and we'll keep the conversation open along the way with the sign-offs and the approvals because we'll incrementally get there together, you know? But, so. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! There was one other, if I'm, if I'm running off at the mouth here too much, there was one other uh, aspect. Oh, the psychological aspects of bidding that artists are also notorious for doing is undervaluing their work. Oh, yeah. You know? And also, the other piece of that is being afraid to submit a bid that they might think is too high before actually testing the the audience. You so you know? got the mm-hmm. double whammy. You, 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 you underestimate how, how long it's going to take to do the job. Right. Which is just so easy to do. Really? Yep. So you underestimate that, and then you underestimate your own worth. Yeah, you undervalue exactly. If you undervalue yourself, and then you're like, "Well, maybe I should knock it down by another ten percent so that I won't lose the bid." Right, and 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 you under yeah, and then that then that has the third consequence, oftentimes, of people naturally undervalue something they feel is priced too low. Mm-hmm. So you, the work might be brilliant, but their assumption of you is like cheap. You know, like <laughs> the work's cheap because they don't. They, it's not valued. So in so there's that and then there's the other thing too where the job you really don't want but so there's a thing called the fuck you bid you know and the fuck you bid is like i really don't want this job i'm gonna throw an outrageous number out there and if they go for it it's gonna suck but it's gonna pay a lot of money you know so and the the converse of that is like someone is probably going to offer too little money but it's fun enough and you're getting paid something to do something you kind of want to do anyway and you realize it's always great and it has some lid on it yeah you're, there, you're like yeah. there is some light at the end of the tunnel on it. it's not like this big long yeah i did i did underbid myself on a job recently by accident uh, what was the accident the accident was i didn't fully understand the situation i was told like yeah uh take a look at these shots and i was sent sent stills in quick time and they're like, oh, we need you to put this into that shot. And this has already been built. So you just need to put track it in. And the roto has been done by the company in India. And I'm like, oh, well, this sounds like a simple comp job. Track, right. track and comp. You know, it's not a, a nightmare. So I bid on it and I got the job. And uh, I knew one of the people I was bidding against. And they're like, yeah, that, that other person bid too high. So we went with you. And I'm like, oh, OK. Um, and then I got it and I realized why. Uh, I got it because the thing that they said was was built was actually a series of photographs of like 80 photo- photographs that they that they sent me. It was actually graffiti. And this whole uh, uh, this whole uh, mosaic of or, or this whole map painting of graffiti looked like it had been done. But they're like, oh, no, no, no that was the mock up. We need you to we need you to redo it. And these were just photographs of, of graffiti from the wall. So I had to extract them, clean them up. And then do this whole layout where it was like layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of graffiti. Oh boy. And and track it in. And it ended up being just just rebuilding that graffiti a map painting overshot what I bid in terms of time. So this brings up a good question is at what point do you call not foul, but you call wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> the materials were are not you the you don't say this exactly this way, but the materials were misrepresented. I, you know, and I, say this is not what what the assumptions were. We were basing it on a different assumption. I could have done that, but the fact that I was basing it on an assumption 
and I didn't ask the question. I didn't ask. But it's it's incumbent upon me to a to a degree. Okay, I to, would to ask enough questions to, to let get me play, find a good land. contract to uh, base your contract on. Uh, that's true. Like, like like where you have a like a phrase in there or something that says if the materials are different than expectation. Well, the materials. Or, I mean, on a really ironclad one, the materials would be listed out in the contract right, exactly. itself. Right. The it's, specifics of, yeah. yeah. And but even if they said PSD file, yeah. and it's, and you're like, okay, a finish is like, no, no, it's a pile of layers that have no, there's <laughs> right. no, consi- you know, it's just junk, basically. Right. But I think that, and that comes up, you know, and like, and how to navigate those waters is always tricky because you're like, I've already agreed to this, but I didn't agree to this. And it was you know? the only job that I've ever done where, that I've taken on where I had to pull the plug at some point. Right. Like, I did the work, I did. I I finished the shots and I delivered them, and they asked for revisions, and I delivered those. And then the the supervisor, uh, who I had not met, but who was sending me emails, he started asking for things that were outside of the bid. Right. And right. that's and that's where I was like, that's a different thing. That's it, a different job. It was it was in the world of what I was asked to do, but it wasn't what I was asked to do. Right. And so I was just like, you know what? I've already spent twice as much time on this as what I you know, budgeted. Right. I got to pull the plug. Right. Here's all my work. Right. Right. And I felt bad doing <laughs> Good it. Good luck to artist number 27. Who's well, I think the supervisor himself did it. Okay. You know, okay. And, and it was fine. I, I didn't feel that conflicted about it. Right. But I, I think whenever possible, whenever you can, and this goes, but this is, this is how contracts become so long is they're representative of previous experiences. And yeah, so you're like, how do right. I write that in? How do I write this problem in? How to write, you know? And so at that point, but you know, a lot of these contracts, you know, if it's a quick one-off, there's not a lengthy contract. As a matter of fact, sometimes there's no contract. It's a verbal no agreement. That was yeah, a verbal or it's agreement. email. Yeah. That's all you get. You yeah. know, it's like this, this. Okay, yeah, it's good enough. So, I think we're at time, folks. Are we? Five all more, right. Five more minutes or no? Or no, is it, it 20, oh, 20 Oh, we went over by yeah, five. We went oh, over sorry, by. gang. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. You went over the contract, Sean. Yeah. Right. And you're going to have plug, to pull the plug. that time yourself. <laughs> so there it is, our discussion of uh, living the freelance life and bidding your own jobs, which we may talk about more in a future podcast. But Always now, a good topic. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thank you. 10 Giant Robots is created and distributed by the 10 Giant Robots Radio Network in beautiful downtown Burbank, California. Our theme music was created by the incredibly talented Shane Knight. Follow us on Twitter at 10GiantRobots or at 10GiantRobots.com.